Today we meet in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 6. We're looking at the conditions that did prevail during the Babylonian captivity and the conditions that will also prevail at the establishment of the kingdom. This chapter before us is a continuation of one complete prophecy which began in chapter 2, and that prophecy will conclude in chapter 5. In these chapters, we actually have a synopsis of the entire book of Isaiah because he touches all the subjects, all the bases that he will touch upon in the rest of the book. So it is actually a crucial thing for us to note that from chapter 2 to chapter 5, it's one prophecy that is given. Then it then ushers us into the subjects that he will deal with later. Chapter 4 is also the shortest chapter in the book of Isaiah, for it only has six verses. Now, we have set before us a description of the conditions which prevailed at the time of the Babylonian captivity, and also before us are the conditions which will exist during the Great Tribulation period, right before the setting up of the Messianic Kingdom. So we have here a historical reflection of what happened in Babylon, and then we also have a futuristic uh, view of what will happen in the Great Tribulation. The structure of this chapter is very simple. The first verse is the only one that depicts conditions during the time of the Great Tribulation, or the last days. The remainder of the chapter sets before the reader the preparation that will be necessary for entering into that kingdom. So this section, of course, is entirely anticipatory. It is anticipating that which will come to pass. Isaiah 4, verse 1. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. This verse actually describes the situation which will prevail in Jerusalem after the men of Judah fell in the battle. That is exactly what happened. You see, when we talked about prophecy earlier on, we said that there was a local situation and then there was also a future situation to which the prophets addressed. The prophecy of any man of God would be justified if the local situation came to be fulfilled. Now, Isaiah is prophesying about what would happen in Babylon or when the men of Judah have fallen in battle, when Israel would be taken into captivity. But he is also looking to the future in the time of the Great Tribulation. In other words, what happened when Judah was taken into Babylon as captive is actually 
a type of a tribulation, but not all of it in the full scale. Now, what happened during the time when Judah fell in the battle? So few eligible men were left. There were so few because men were dead that even seven women, talking of a large number, were there to take one man, begging him to marry them. What was the reason? Because in that time, the reproach of which they speak of is that of childlessness. Actually, Isaiah 54 verse 4 talks about it. It was also a disgrace for women in the ancient world to die without leaving behind any children. Thus, seven would simply go to one man and say, we will buy our own food, we will wear our own clothes, only let us be called by your name and give us children. Now, these conditions will prevail because of the frightening casualties of war. Immediately, in the local situation, it was when the Babylonians came upon Judah. But also, these conditions will prevail in the time of the great tribulations. Now, that has also been true of all wars. Whenever there is a war, there is even a shortage of men. In other words, because the manpower population will be so decimated by war, there will be a surplus of women, so much so that seven will be willing to share one man in that day. And all of them will be willing to hold down a job. And I suppose that a man will do nothing in the world but keep the books for the women and make sure that they turn in their proper share because he will simply become the bookkeeper. Well, what you see here is a description of an awful condition that will prevail. It actually happened when Judah was invaded. Over the years, many nations have experienced the same kind of a situation. After World War One and World War Two, the world generally experienced a manpower shortage. This has been true for any country that has been to war. Many African countries which have been to war would testify that the shortage of manpower is the greatest challenge after the war. My own country experienced this reality after the year 1980. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. Isaiah 4, verse 2. Now, which day is he referring to? In that day refers to the day of the Lord. This phrase will occur again and again in Isaiah and in all the prophets, by the way, and it will be mentioned in the New Testament. Joel, particularly, will have something to say about it. It begins as every Hebrew day always begins at sundown. It begins with darkness and moves to dawn. 
It begins with the great tribulation and then goes on into the millennial kingdom. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. There is also a reference in this verse to the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the branch. The branch refers to new growth sprouting from old roots. It is usually understood as a reference to the Messiah, but its being paralleled with the fruit may also suggest the blessings of God. My friend, the blessings of God will come in that day when his kingdom has been established. The branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, but it will be fruitful. So it comes with blessings. There are 18 Hebrew words translated by the one English word branch. And all of them refer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in this verse, the, the word branch means sprout. Later we are going to be told that he is a branch out of a dry ground. He is something green that has sprung up in the desert. My friend, God is the same God who will spring up in that desert to cause a blessing to come upon his people. But even now, for those who have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he can furnish a table for you in your wilderness. He caused water to come out of a rock. He caused manna to rain upon the children of Israel and the quills, and they were able to feed themselves. Can God prepare a table in a wilderness? Emphatically, yes, he can sprout up in the desert. He will spring up in your desert. What is your desert? Give him your desert and he will cause springs of water to gush out of your rocks and water your dry, thirsty soul. And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. Isaiah 4 verse 3 Now, there will be those of God's people, both of Israel and the Gentiles during the Great Tribulation, who will survive that period sometimes referred to as the remnant. Those who are martyred will, of course, be resurrected at the end of that time. In Matthew, the Lord Jesus expressed it in a way that may seem strange, but he is looking at the end of the tribulation when he says, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Matthew 24, verse 13. Well, they were sealed at the beginning to make sure that they got through. The shepherd is able to keep his own sheep, and therefore they are going to endure to the end. We have the same thought even in Revelation chapter 7, which speaks of the great company of believers, both Jew and Gentile, who were sealed at the beginning of the great tribulation and came through that period. So, that word is a 
word that brings consolation. God will have a remnant. There will be others who will remain faithful, even though the world around us is turning immoral and decadent. A remnant shall return. You as a remnant, my friend, do not be discouraged. Don't buy into the thought that says everyone is doing it. Everyone is insincere. Everyone is a hypocrite. Everyone is not worshipping God. There will be a remnant. Even Elijah at some point thought he was the only one who had been left. And God assured him, I still have many who, whose knee has not even bowed to bow. A remnant shall return. And this is why this word is fitting. And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. You see, are you recorded in the book of life, in the Lamb's book of life? When you remain faithful, you will be called holy. He who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end, the Lord Jesus said, I will give them the right to sit in my presence. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Isaiah 4 verse 4. Zechariah 13 verse 1 says, In that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanness. Now, God's people must be prepared to enter the kingdom. Now, this brings up the very pertinent question. Every year as we stand on the threshold of a new year, we say we are going to do better. We have been saying the same for many years. When a new year has come, people will come up with interesting new resolutions. We are going to do better. I am going to serve God better. I am going to pray more. I am going to read God's word more. My question to you, my friend, are you fit today for heaven? Suppose God was to take you right now. Would you be fit for heaven? It's no good making resolutions at the beginning of the year. It is important to be fit for heaven. Would God take you? Would you be ready if today was your last hour to live on this planet earth? Would you be fit for heaven? I cannot answer this question for you. But God is going to have to do a great deal of repair on Asafa Makanga, to make him ready for heaven. That is what life is all about. It is a school to prepare us for eternity. Many people make a sad mistake to think that this life is all there is. My friend, no. Preparation is made on earth for eternity. Are you preparing yourself? Suppose God took you to heaven as you are. Would you be a square peg in a round hole? I'm afraid I would be. Beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be. He is going to have to make some good changes on us. So 
this scripture is appropriate. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, you must be prepared and God does a better job, not yourself. But that preparation must be now. So this message is fitting for now. And God is inviting today when you hear his voice. Do not harden your heart. For today is the day of your salvation. Then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion. And above her assemblies a cloud and a smoke by day, and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a covering. Isaiah 4 verse 5 Now the presence of God himself is symbolized by his glory, once again being with the nation of Israel. A study of the glory of God in the scriptures will reveal that it is virtually synonymous with the presence of God himself. Where God is, there is his glory revealed. Now the chapter ends with a promise that in those days a tabernacle shall stand as the place of refuge on Mount Zion. The prophet here pictures the mountain of Zion roofed over with a cloud of smoke by day and a shining flaming fire by night. This is none other than the mountain of the house of the Lord. Here shall his temple once again stand during the millennial kingdom and all the nations shall come to it for protection. The glory of God will be upon every house in the kingdom not just upon the temple. And it presents us with a glorious thing to expect, and this is coming in the future. But before you get there, have you been made ready? Are you ready for that to happen? Isaiah 4, verse 6. And there will be a tabernacle for shed in the daytime from the heat for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and rain. Isn't that an amazing thing that God promises? Remember that even when he led his children through the desert, he provided a pillar of cloud by day and then a pillar of fire by night. Why did he do that? In the desert, it was very hot. And in the desert, it's very hot during the day. And God, in a miraculous way, provided the shed. In the desert, in the night, it is very cold, extremely cold. And God warmed them through the pillar of fire by night. He is an amazing God. And now, even when his kingdom is established... We are told there will be a tabernacle for shed in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for shelter from storm and rain. Oh, my friend, security will come to the nation of Israel in that day at last. Security will also come to the people of God anywhere. But let me first of all talk about Israel. 
Today, Israel does not have peace, does not have security in its real sense. Therefore, this prophecy is not being fulfilled today. The Jews are back, a few of them, but not all of them in the land, with every man dwelling under his vine and his fig tree in peace. That has not yet been realized. So the picture in these verses is glorious and certainly has not been fulfilled completely. The returning exiles did not experience such idyllic conditions, though this disappointment is traced by Haggai, not so much to the purpose of God as to their own sin. Haggai chapter 1 verse 59. Now, I want you to note that peace always follows grace, mercy and cleansing. The problem has never been with a political party. The real problem has never been with even a foreign country. The problem is in the human heart. We go to war today because it war is in our hearts. Man is a warlike creature because he is a sinner and he refuses to deal with the sin question. There will be one war right after the other until the heart of man is changed. And this is the message that God has for you and for me. While we all look to the United Nations, while we all look to the African Union, while we may look even to the military strengths of our nation, we may experience temporary peace. But what are we going to do with the rotting that is inside us? Corruption. Immorality, greed, these are the sins that are inside and they are the ones that are bringing down Africa. They are the ones that are killing a whole generation. Until the heart has been changed, we can never experience peace. Until the heart has been changed, we can never experience goodwill for other people. And do you know what, my friend? Who is the expert in changing hearts? No one has ever been able to do it except the one who came from eternity past. God himself who became a man and dwelt among us and he fleshed out what it meant for us to live for God. And not only did he show us how to do it, but he died on the cross paying the very price we needed to have paid so that we can be restored back to God. And guess what he will do? He will remove the heart of stone which we all have, the heart of corruption, the heart of deceit, the heart of trickery, and he will give us the soft heart of flesh. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you done so? And that is the way to prepare even for the time of the kingdom, that is the way to prepare. It's heart preparation. That is why it requires the cleansing of the blood, the cleansing with the burning of the fire. And it is only the Holy Spirit who can make us ready. Are you ready yet? 
You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.